All right. How is it going, everybody? Hope you're all having a great day, and thank you for spending some of that day with the Forward Thinking Podcast. To remind you, the Forward Thinking Podcast is a show about people building companies, their their visions for the future, and how the two collide. And today, we have an awesome guest with us. We have Tanya Brashears, the founder of Curious Fiction. Tanya, how's it going? Hi, Matt. Uh, I'm great. Glad to be here. Awesome. Yeah, super happy to have you on. So let's uh, let's just dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about your company. Well, my company is called Curious Fictions, and it's bringing modern technology to the world of publishing. We give professional authors the tools to connect with their readers and get paid directly for their work, as well as experiment with new forms of storytelling like short form serialized, uh, etc., alongside their tr- traditionally published novels. All right. That is, that's awesome. I mean, as someone who, I've been a writer for quite a while, I'm definitely interested in the hearing. Like, how did you, how would you think of that idea? What was the motivation to to get you started with something like that? Well, I was working at Airbnb for years. And so I had a lot of uh, background in online marketplaces and uh, sort of bringing new technology to existing uh, industries. But while I was working there, I also wrote short stories just as a hobby. And as I started getting a few stories published, I learned a lot about the industry, uh, the challenges facing it, and saw a lot of opportunity to uh, bring some new tools, especially to authors. Uh, It started out as, wouldn't it be great if it were easy to read short stories online and pay the author? And then it kind of grew from there once uh, we saw a really excited reaction from authors who really have been needing something like this. That's awesome. Would you kind of consider it almost a a different form of distribution so they can get their their art out there into the world? Or how, like, tell us about one or two of of one of your authors. Like, what's it like for them? Yeah, so, uh, you know, there are tools out there like Patreon, which are really neat, um, but they're not really optimized for the written word. Um, And they, you know, focus often on visuals or something with YouTube videos. So I felt like authors were kind of underserved there. Um, Plus, with something like that, it's not really a place for discovery. Uh, It's a place to go support somebody you already know about. So I was really interested in building this ecosystem where authors could come uh, use the site um, and publish their content, as well as uh, readers could come and find uh, really great storytelling. Um, So there are authors using the site in really different ways. So um, somebody named Premium Premi Mohammed, excuse me, she uh, does like a column on a regular basis about the uh, the writing process and a lot of people have questions about how query letters work, things like that. Um, another author, Edward Ashton, has several um, published novels through HarperCollins, and he puts his short stories on Curious Fictions uh, as a way to kind of develop a following and have another way for people to, to discover his work. We've also started doing things like um, they can post their excerpts of the books on Curious Fictions, and then we link to their book uh, either um, from the publisher or other online venues or encourage people to go to local bookstores. Because something we're not trying to do is, you know, the traditional disrupt this industry and start over, but instead give the existing players these new tools to reach readers and uh, do what they do best with modern technology. Yeah, I can see why that would be very, very intriguing for, for plenty of authors out there and plenty of writers. I'm curious, as this this show is called Forward Thinking, how are you thinking about kind of the future of the future with this? I would say five years down the line, 10 years down the line, where do you see um, curious fictions kind of playing in the world? Yeah, so one of our big goals is to give real authors more reliable uh, control over their 
their income. So right now it tends to be really variable. And this is a growing problem with something like the gig economy um, and people lacking, you know, healthcare or a pension, things like that. We wanted to be giving people more predictable control over, over their own, um, their own uh, career. Uh, we also, another big issue we see from the reader side is that uh, it's really amazing that you have the world's information at your fingertips. At the same time, it's incredibly overwhelming. How do you know what to pay attention to? You do not have infinite time. So we've actually found that readers really love the curation aspect of things. So uh, we do a featured story once a week, and people really like getting told, like, here's why this story is great and you should read it, uh, and getting exposed to a lot of different types of authors and stories that they wouldn't otherwise read. So that's something we're looking to really uh, move forward on both counts in the future is to uh, develop really um, sophisticated curation, combining um, what can be automated, like a lot of people like this story and like that other story, but also letting people have the tools to do curation themselves, because uh, I don't think we're at a point where algorithms can actually necessarily do a great job. And I don't know if they ever will replace um, something where often machine learning is collecting the wisdom of a large volume of what's happened in the past. And that's not going to really get us out ahead of, okay, what's in the future. So combining uh, human judgment with um, modern technology is something we're really interested in. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I have to ask, I bought a book from Barnes and Noble yesterday. It was called, or it is called um, something along the lines of the fuzzies and the techies. And the, the, the byline is, or I guess the subject line is, is how liberal arts will dominate in a digital world and just kind of a, a thought on creatives like everyone's saying oh like ai is gonna gonna automate everything and this book saying no actually like creatives might be the ones that that that, that have all their jobs in in 100 years or <laughs> years yeah. um i'm curious how can you dive in a little bit on how you like how you were how you would respond to that like is that how do you think about ai and this and algorithms and, and any anything involving the future of work in sense of that yeah, I think it's really interesting. So yesterday, um, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez had a little bit of a flurry on the internet because she had commented to say that uh, that algorithms can be biased, machine learning can be biased. And there was some pushback on that, like people treat it as if she had said science is biased. But I think a lot of people don't realize algorithms aren't magically smart. They're taking a whole lot of human um, past decisions and then uh, learning from that, which means you're going to be subject to any kind of biases those those group of humans have already made. Yeah, that data comes from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're seeing uh, just a lot of um, growing pains right now in the tech industry and what that means for humans uh, and in the future too. So I do think um, we are subject to a lot of change. So there are a lot of jobs that are getting automated away. There's a lot of jobs that are becoming smaller and more gig focused. So how are we going to, going to adapt to that is a big question. So I think if you look at the future, the optimistic future would be we will eventually have um, universal basic income and single-payer healthcare because we used to rely on employers to provide that, but if employers are essentially decentralized, that's not going to really, we can't really function as a society without some way to take care of people in those ways. Um, at the same time, people will also, you know, there's still a lot of that capacity for art and then that human touch. So I think people really do want that social connection to people in a really meaningful way, not in a, I just browsed through Twitter for eight hours kind of way, um, but something hmm. really, really personal and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can get behind that hundred percent. 
What other, uh, I mean, when looking into the future, 10 years, 15, 20 years out, what other um, innovations do you foresee happening? And what are you kind of paying attention to? You can be focused on education, healthcare, government, tech, future work, anything. Like what's, what's interesting uh, about the future to you right now? Yeah, I think in general, we're going to see a breakdown in this concept that there's tech companies and regular companies. Uh, to, to some extent, every company or most companies will be tech companies and they use technology. Um, if you think about the Industrial Revolution, yeah, there are only certain companies that are manufacturing companies, but it really had repercussions across you know, the entire way society works. Uh, in the future, I think we'll see a lot more crossover uh, Rather than saying this is pure technology, looking and saying this is uh, technology applied to these existing industries, um, I think there's interesting things happening with like GovTech right now. So uh, there's a company Remix it's handling a lot around public transportation and kind of enabling governments to have these tools that really haven't haven't really penetrated that industry as much. So how can we uh, bring a lot of these industries forward in not overhauling them and getting rid of them, but actually giving them these new tools? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it goes along the lines of of technology ideally doesn't um, automate out uh, humans, it augments humans. So it, it does the repetitive stuff in our daily tasks so we can spend the more of our time on the more thoughtful and uh, problematic and just like challenging problems that maybe algorithms can't solve. So I'm, I'm a fan of augmentation. Yeah, I like that way of framing it. And so we think about it with Curious Fictions, we're not trying to be prescriptive about how people use it or what their stories look like. Uh, we're trying to say, we'll give you these tools and you can experiment with them in ways that we could never really imagine. We'll automate the things like handling payments and you know creating your profile and you don't have to be thinking about building your website from scratch. Uh, things like that, we play to our strengths so they can play to theirs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did have a, I want to jump back real quick to Curious Fictions. I, I, I'm more curious just how the, your, your, the product works in this sense. Do you let anyone that wants to write um, a story onto the platform, do you have a vetting process? How do you, and if someone, and, and, and my third question along those lines is, if someone is pretty good, but not amazing, what do you do? What would you, how would you handle a situation like that? Because we handle, we deal with that all the time at Publoft. And I'm curious, you, I'm curious as another company uh, handling writers, I'd love to hear how you think about that stuff. Yeah, that is a tricky question for a couple of reasons. Um, right now, the way it works is authors can request an invitation. Uh, and then we accept essentially any author who's been traditionally published before, whether that's in a short story magazine or with a book. Uh, the reason we do that is because we want to make sure that we maintain high quality across the site and set expectations for readers that this is worth paying for. Uh, the downside of that is that you're still kind of gating this experiment, uh, uh, sorry, experience for authors on, uh, you know, an existing industry which has its own issues with, uh, you know, representation and um, who's considered worthy of telling these stories. So that's something we're thinking about a lot and want to um, keep an eye on the future. We do let authors invite other authors, so that's one way to kind of mitigate that. Uh, probably in the future, we'll look at things like um, we'll be, you know, actively, proactively reach out to authors in workshops that are recommended potentially by people who are teaching them or in, in classes. Any way we can get a line on, uh, especially underrepresented authors. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Well, cool. So I, I always like to ask in this show, what are the companies that 10 years from now are going to be 
that are going to be the, the giants? And specifically, are there any that you think are unexpected, un- like unassuming? Like obviously, there's, there's there's Apple, Google, Facebook, like all those that like may or may not be around. But are there any companies that you know of either from YC or from your knowledge that you think are going to be the next the next Google, the next Apple that people may not be pe- paying attention to yet? Um, the next Google or Apple, those are such, such big ones. Um, or the next, I mean, like, or the, just the next meaningful company, like it doesn't have to be the next Uber or Apple, but what's like something that maybe not be on the world's radar yet that should be. Uh, so I'd mentioned Remix is doing something with public transit. Uh, like Valor is a company that does stuff with water analytics. I don't have any, you know, personal insight into, you know, how they work exactly, but I think that kind of technology is really interesting. Um, I know that, uh, y Combinator has very recently started uh, really looking for companies that are addressing climate change, which I think is going to be really important in the next years. Um, hopefully, really a growing <laughs> industry. Yeah. Um, I do think there is, you know, again with this wrestling with what makes us, uh, what is our industry, and what responsibilities do we have for the things we're creating? Uh, we're, I think hopefully going through some growing up processes in terms of, you know, what are we focusing on? How do we responsibly create technology and, and uh, you know, combat the things that, you know, can cause problems. I do really think, so it's a bit of a tangent, but I'm, I'm hoping we get away from this idea that click is the most meaningful thing on the internet. So right now we really prioritize this something that gets clicks and gets eyeballs because we're so uh, advertising driven as uh, the internet in general. I think you're starting to see pushback with that in terms of uh, people getting increasingly uh, oversaturated with ads. They're not necessarily always performing as well as they have. There's a limit to the amount of ads we can show a person (laughs) in a day. Uh, And as people start to become more accustomed to the internet and don't necessarily see it as, I think they're used to this idea that, you know, it's like Napster, like everything on the internet kind of should be free. But now that our entire lives can be very internet driven in a lot of cases, there's some growing recognition that, oh, okay, I'd actually like to pay for something that's high quality and not see, you know, a billion ads that time. So I think companies like Google and Facebook might have the biggest changes facing them. So something like Apple, if they keep, you never know what's going to happen. And as long as they keep creating, um, you know, uh, this hardware people like, the people will buy it. If people become growingly jaded in terms of ads, then that's a different thing. Um, these companies, though, like Facebook has changed quite a bit over the years. So, you know, I, they're probably going to keep changing in the future. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're pretty unrecognizable in 10 years. They'll probably still be around. <laughs> Google is interesting because they have so many different technologies and things they've built, but their core business is still ad-driven. So I'm curious to see how it plays out in the future. Yeah, th- those are some great perspectives. Um, I, I'm, I'm also interested to see what happens with Google because I think they've just been putting out so many products to see what's their next what's their next home run uh, after after ads. And um, they obviously have some great products, but <laughs> until they can start generating a, a really good portion of the revenue, um, they they got to keep searching, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, they cool. do seem to have to just like try all these different things and see what sticks sort of approach. Yeah. Well, cool. So I, I have one last question for you. Uh, so you, you're, you're engulfed in, in the future as you're building a company right now that, that's aiming to tackle um, many problems that face authors and kind of take on somewhat the advertising industry, which I, which I also am very much so in favor for. So you're building the future every single day when you're working on your company. What would you tell someone listening to this podcast who maybe they may be 10 years old, they may be 38 years old or 50, it doesn't matter the age. If they want to 
start a company and, and change the future for the better and build something great, what advice would you have for them? Uh, I would say they should definitely do that. I think consume as much information about what you're trying to change as you can. So read all you can about the topic, what's been done before, who the current players are, uh, ask a lot of questions and do a lot of listening. So there's a bit of a, a stereotype that um, sometimes Silicon Valley companies will come in and sort of Kool-Aid man through the wall and say like, we're disrupting your industry and then spend a lot of money and then go to business because they don't actually necessarily understand the forces at play. So sometimes it's common to think, oh, well, I can offer this thing cheaper, therefore everyone will use that. But it turns out there's a lot of other factors that go into the decisions people make. And so, for example, in publishing, there's a really important um, psychological perspective to getting traditionally published versus self-publishing. It's not just about the money. There's a sense that, you know, people who have, uh, you know, judgment have judged your thing to be good. And then there's this huge amount of work the publisher does um, to help, you know, advertise your work that a lot of people who are self-publishing don't realize goes into the process. So really understand the factors at play and uh, try to come in with a, a new perspective that works with those, those factors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for hopping on to the podcast. Uh, I, I think the, the listeners got a lot of value and have learned different perspectives on, on the industries of the future. And, and I really appreciate you, you hopping on. So, so thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your time. And it was great talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you uh, for all the listeners. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to bringing you another episode of Forward Thinking in a week. And until that time, I hope you all have a great day.